to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. A couple days ago, I was uh, had the opportunity to to uh, uh, meet the the worship team for Elevation Team, the worship team, Elevation worship team. They uh, they actually were on my plane, so I, I got to fly them from Philadelphia to uh, I think it was Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia to. Um, State College, uh, Pennsylvania, because uh, they had a concert that night with Casting Crowns uh, and Hillsong at Penn State University, and and that's where we stay right there on Penn State University, and and uh, that was pretty cool. It was kind of wild. It was. Oh, did you? Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah, they're busy. They're busy. They're all over the place right now. I, I will say this, that I don't know who it was, but there was one speaker that, and, and, and I will say this, uh, and I think there was quite a few different speakers that day. I think that there were just short little things that people did. And, uh, uh, the band got off and, uh, uh, the pastor got off, uh, Furtick got off and, and, uh, Furtick or however you say his name. Um, and, uh, there was another guy that was on the plane. I didn't know him at the time, but, um, he had a, uh, a badge on, you know, a kind of a lanyard that had said that he was at that, going to be at that concert and, and, uh, he was having trouble getting his his shuttle to get to the venue, and uh, and we were having a problem getting to the, our hotel, and we ended up having to wait for like over an hour to get to our hotel, and which was just a mess up. But we're sitting there, and it's ice cold. It's very cold there, and and we're sitting in the 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 little area between the actual terminal. You know, as you walk through, uh, you come from outside and you go into the little area where it kind of breaks down some of the cold and then you go into the next area. You know, we're in that area, you know. And so, because we're looking for our, our shuttle and uh, this guy, he asked for our help and we'd start helping him and he doesn't know how to do Uber and he's like trying to figure out because his Uber isn't working and we're, he's going, do you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me show you here. And, and we're, we're doing this and, we're helping him out and uh, the flight attendant and I are trying to help him out and now our the captain is uh so far away from God wants nothing to do with God and uh is not a Christian whatsoever um according to and it was actually a woman uh captain she's like I hate people. It's one of the reasons why I fly airplanes is because I can shut the door and I don't have to deal with people. I just hate people. I'm like, okay, well, do you hate me? You know, I mean, listen, don't hate me. No, 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 you're okay. I'm going, well, good. I'm glad I passed, passed your muster, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, she's just, uh, 
very kind of a, a little bit antagonistic towards Christians. And, and, uh, so I'm, tr- I tried to make small talk with this guy and, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and, and go, Hey, I'm a pastor. I didn't, I didn't do that. I don't do that when I'm out there. Hey, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. I don't do that. I just, I just, I want to be a Christian. I just want to be a Christian around people. And if it comes up, then it comes up, but that's not my goal. And so we helped this guy out and we're going, Oh man, are you, are you with the band? He goes, No, I'm not with the band. I'm one of the speakers. I said, Oh, you're one of the speakers tonight. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool. You know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun and, and what have you. And he's, I'm just having a hard time trying to figure out how, you know, to get my Uber here, you know, and, and, and well, here, let me take a look, you know, and we're trying to help him out and, and he's just having a hard time with it. And, uh, and he kind of says, well, here, let me try it over here for a second. And, and so he like moves away from us for a second. I kind of got, I don't know what that was all about, but he kind of moved his, what moved away and he's kind of working on his phone. And I just, I just said, Hey, so who all's going to be there tonight? Who all's going to be there tonight? You know? And he goes, <laughs> he looked at me and he goes, um, you know, I'm really busy here. I'm busy and, and you're asking me questions and I'm trying to get this and, and you know, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and he walks away. And, and as he was saying that, my heart sank. My heart sank and I, I actually turned my back on him and, and I walked away from him. I'm just going, I gotta stop this. This has gotta stop very quickly. And as he kind of walked away and he was out of his brain, you know, stressed or whatever it was, the captain goes, and that's why I don't like Christians. And I'm like, well, that's not all Christians. I mean, I, I'm a Christian and I don't act like that, you know. And I mean, do I act like that? I mean, have I acted like that? You know, and I tried to use it as an opportunity to witness to her. But she's going, I just can't stand. I don't like. That's what I don't like about Christians. I don't like about Christians. I don't like about guys like that. That's why I hate people. That's why I hate people, you know. And, you know, here's the thing. You never know who you're you're going to be talking to. And I, I tried to salvage that encounter and it just didn't happen. The whole rest of the, I only had her for another one day. I had her about three more uh, legs of a trip, but, um, but it was, uh, I'll fly with her again and, and I'll have an opportunity to witness to her and minister to her again. But here's the thing. You don't know, who it is that you're going to affect out there. And that was something that kind of hit me at that time. And it just, it was again, a a reminder that we don't have a day off. You don't have a day off as a Christian. I don't have a day off as a Christian. You don't have, Hey, you know, it's Sunday. I'm going to be a Christian today. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be on my best behavior. If that's your idea of Christianity, you don't have a relationship with the Lord. If, if when you're around people and you're, you're, uh, you know, you're around other Christians and that's when you're on your best behavior, I'm going to seriously ask you to take a, a, a evaluation, an evaluation of your Christianity and ask whether or not you actually even have a relationship. Because what happens there is that you have become a, a pleaser of man. A man pleaser, a, a, you know, a situational pleaser. And, and you're not living day by day and all day and all the time for Christ. That doesn't mean we're not going to mess up. 
And, and I can understand this guy probably had to be there. You know, I, I, it wasn't, I mean, the thing started, I think at seven 30 that night, I would, would have probably gone, but I had to be up at like two 50 in the morning. And so I couldn't go. But the thing was, is that, is that this guy had to be there at seven 30 and I think it was like four o'clock or something like that. So he had to get there and I understand he had some stress and what have you, but it, it burdened my heart that you are a speaker. You identified yourself as a speaker and then you just did that. And you didn't even know who I was. You just turned me away and you, you belittled me after I helped you. I don't understand that. And now you're going to stand up and, and tell people how awesome God is. And I'm just going, man, I understand why this captain was ticked. I understand. And, and I, it caused me to come to this place. And hopefully this story is causing you to come to a place, go, man, Lord, how many times do I do that? How many times do I do that? God help me from being something right here and something else out there. I don't want to be a different person than who I am right here. You don't want to be a different person who you are with your with your Bible open on your lap today. Be the same. Be the same. Do the work of the ministry. You're on 24-7, man. Jesus died so that we could be saved 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of eternity. And so, um, therein is a, a quick little story, but, um, be real, be real for Jesus. Hey, we're in first Thessalonians chapter one today. First Thessalonians chapter one. <clears throat> if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and, uh, then we'll have Josh bring it to you if you have, if you have a need for a Bible. First Thessalonians chapter, chapter one. Before I begin to read, let me just give you a quick little background. Well, let's pray real quick. Father, come before you and even this little story to remind us that we're a Christian every single moment of our life. May we represent you well. And Lord, when we come up short, when we fail, maybe may we be quick to rectify the situation. And maybe that guy came back to try to find us. Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, you, you, you change this guy's heart. That he understands that you can speak in front of thousands and yet ruin the ruin and, and be a bad representative of you in the life of even just one. Now, the flight attendant, you know, Lord, she's saved. I'm saved. The captain, not so much. Not at all. So, Lord, I pray for that captain. I pray that you would touch her life, touch her heart. Let her know that that wasn't Jesus. That's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. That's not Jesus. So we shared that Wayne Watson song quite a few weeks ago. That's not Jesus. That's, he wouldn't carry on that way. That's just some flesh and blood like you and me that somehow gone, has gone astray. And so Lord, I pray that you would take this day, take this time, change us, mold us, shape us, help us, Lord, to allow your will to just permeate our life. And that our lie, our will would ooze out and not be there, not be evident. But God, that our decisions, our walk, our desires, our passions, Lord, they be for you. 
that we'd walk in you, that we'd love you, and that we'd serve you, and that we'd sit, seek and consider you before we do and say and go or whatever action it might be, that we would consider you, that we would seek your face, we would seek your counsel by the power of your Holy Spirit. Because God, this is a real life that we're living. May it count. Help us, Lord, to make it count for you and for your glory and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul is going to write a couple of letters to the Thessalonians. Uh, the time of this uh, letter that he's writing, it was about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. The church that was there in Thessalonica, it was a, uh, or some, uh, I, how many of you guys say Thessalonica and how many of you guys, how many of you guys say Thessalonica? How many of you guys say Thessalonica? Who says Thessalonica? How many of you guys say Thessalonica? Okay, Thessalonica. Everybody else says Thessalonica. Huh? How about Thessalonia? Thessalonia. Okay. Yep. <laughs> there it is. Tom, right? Yep. All right. Hey, good to see you, Tom. Good to be back. I live in Venice. Amen. It's good to see you. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. So, Paul is uh, writing this letter to the believers there that are in Thessalonica, 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 about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Thessalonica was a, a, a major city. It was a, a Roman, it was a part of a Roman province. It was in Macedonia. It was a major city of trade. It was a major, it was a major political city. However, they had some autonomy. Rome had given them some autonomy. They actually could create their own government there. However, they were still under the auspices of Rome. But the thing is, is they could actually create and, and, and have their own elections there. And so they had kind of their own, it was a pretty big city. I mean, there was some 200,000 people at this time in the city. Now think about that for a second. That's a big city if you think about it back in that day. It's right on the coast, and so you have access from the Aegean Sea, and you also have access from from the this east-west route called the uh, the uh, uh, Via Ignatia. It's a road that passes from east to west, goes from you know everything from like Rome and what have you, and passes it over into the Asia Minor area. And so it's it's a big trade city. So there's a lot of people there. There are Jews there, but there are mostly Greeks there. All right. But there is a synagogue there because Paul would go anywhere Paul would go. He would go first to a synagogue because he knows that he could get into the synagogue and teach from the synagogue. And what he would do is that he would be there to go to the Jew first in order to convince them and to speak to them and to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And so what he does is that he goes into a town, he seeks out the synagogue, he preaches Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified, that he is God's son, that he is the Messiah. He is the coming one that Moses had foretold about. There's a prophet like me coming to you. You're going to listen to him. You're going to follow him. You will need to follow him. And, and so here, you know, Paul goes into this city 
and he finds, seeks out the synagogue and he goes in and he preaches. We find out, according to the, this book of Thessalonica, I'm sorry, the first Thessalonians, we find out that people came to know the Lord. Some of the Jews came to know the Lord. There were some Hellenists that came to the Lord. So there's some wealthy women that came to the Lord in that. And, and so ends up where there's a, a small group of people that follow Christ because of Paul's influence. Now, mind you, what we're going to find out here as we look through this, that Paul was there for three Sabbaths. How many are three Sabbaths? How many weeks are three Sabbaths? Huh? Three weeks, right? He's there three weeks. He was there for three weeks. And in three weeks, you know what he did? He started a church. He set up elders in a church in three weeks. you imagine? Think about that for a second. Think about when you were three weeks old in the Lord. Could you have been an elder? I didn't even know which side of the Bible to open, let alone can I lead or help to, you know, protect a flock. And yet that's exactly what happens. Paul comes in there, he preaches the gospel. Some people get saved and there, a move begins, a, a congregation starts and, and the congregation continues to grow over those three weeks. And what happens is that he starts setting people up because it was necessary. We're going to find out that, that there are the Jews, they got angry at him. They became jealous because people were listening to what Paul was saying and they were accepting Jesus as their savior. They were, they were becoming Christians and the Jews became jealous. And so they came and they went for Paul. They couldn't find Paul, but what they found was the man who was hosting them in their home. His name is Jason. And they pulled him out and they threatened him. They threatened him and, and, and they, 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 you know, basically abused him in that way and said, listen, these guys have got to get out of here. And so they evicted Paul. Paul had to be evicted with with Silas and Timothy that is with him. They were evicted. Paul ends up leaving from Thessalonica, Thessalonia, Thessalonica, and he takes off and he goes to a city called Berea and he he's there and he begins to do the same thing he was doing in Thessalonica. And, and what ends up happening is that the Jews that were there in Thessalonica, they went to Berea and said, hey, don't let this guy do what he did to us. He started a church, you know. He's teaching things in the synagogue that weren't according to tradition. He's preaching this Jesus. And so Berea evicted him. And so they kicked Paul out. But Paul left Silas and Timothy behind in Berea to minister to the flock that had begun. And Paul ended up going to Athens. And after Athens, as he was there in Athens, Silas and Timothy ended up coming to Paul for a little bit. And then Paul said, I need to see, I need to know, I need to find out, Timothy, how well the church is doing in Thessalonica. So go back there, find out. And so Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica and he goes there and he, he, he gets around the congregation. He finds out what's happening. He ministers to them. He teaches them and he ends up coming back to Paul and he comes back with a good report. He comes back with a good report, a, a, a good report that Paul, it blesses his heart that these guys are still rocking and rolling. They're still walking with Jesus and they're still influencing people and ministering to people and, and people are coming to know the Lord. They have some issues. 
They have some issues. They have some questions. And that's what Paul's going to address in this, in this letter. But really what he's going to do is he's going to encourage them in the church. He's going to encourage them in their faith. But he's also going to encourage them because there have been some that have gone in there and talked about the eschatological issues that, 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 uh, that creep into basically every church. And that means that the end times, the end times, how is it going to play out? There are some that came in there and said, oh, it's already happened. Jesus has already come back. You're worshiping a guy that's already been here and gone. He's gone. And so Paul has to address end times events. He, he, he begins to address the rapture. He begins to address Jesus coming back for his, for his kids. And so he'll, he'll address that in chapter four. In the first three chapters, what Paul's doing is he's, he's encouraging them. He's talking to them. He's strengthening them in their faith, this church that has begun. And so with that, uh, understanding of why this uh, church had begun. Remember, three weeks Paul was there, and this church is already it's 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 a substance, it's a it's a it's a it's a group, and they continue to move forward. Paul writes in chapter one, verse one, Paul, Sylvanus, and Sylvanus, and that's Silas, and Timothy. So that's that's kind of how you start a letter back there. It's me. We're writing. We are in agreement with what we're about to write. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy were writing to the church of the Thessalonians. In God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, you have heard many times, pretty much every letter that Paul writes, he says grace and peace, and they're always the twins. They're the twins, grace and peace. You can never understand the peace of God unless you first understand the grace of God. Until you experience the grace of God, you'll never truly understand the peace of God. Grace, you guys understand it, right? What's the definition of grace? God's unmerited favor, that's right. And I, I would, I, I remember kind of learning it back in college, you know, uh, under the mentor that I had grown under, uh, Larry Taylor, and and he always used to, you know, say it's God's unmerited favor towards the infinitely ill-deserved. And I thought, wow, that just that that just sets that nail deep into that wood. That's like a, 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 you know, a nail that you drive in and there, bam, and you go in and it sets it, man, and it's not moving. To me, that really set the understanding of what that is. I am so infinite, you and I, we are so infinitely. What does infinite mean? I'm still bothered by this word, by the way, because back in second grade, first or second grade, my teacher, Mrs. Hill, she gave me a wrong answer one time because we were learning what infinite and finite were. And on the test, you know, was the grains of the sand on all of the beaches in all of the world. And I said, finite. And she goes, no, that's infinite. And I said, well, I, I think that's, that's, that's infinite because or I think it's finite because if you could count them, 
you could count them all because they're all right here. And she goes, no, 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 nobody could ever be able to count them. And I'm thinking, and I got that question wrong. It didn't make me flunk first or second grade. I can't remember which one it was. I had her for both grades. She loved me. I loved her. She was a great teacher, but she messed, messed with me there. I still have that. I harbor that a little bit. I'll get over it. Without number. <laughs> Without number, right. Infinite. What is infinite? Without number, without, with, you, it's, it's impossible to end, to, to come to the, to the end, right? It's impossible to come to the end. And, and so when I consider infinite, and, and Larry's, you know, uh, his definition, the infinitely ill-deserved, I am so ill-deserving of God's love. I am so infinitely ill, does, you are so infinitely Ill, deserving of God's grace, of God's love, of God's forgiveness, infinitely. There's no way that you could ever earn it. There's no way that God would ever find a loophole. Infinitely. I am so infinitely ill-deserving of, of salvation. But God loved me. And God saw me in my own sin and Paul, he, 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 he captured the thought in Romans 5, doesn't he? He says, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? There's grace. That's grace. When we were so infinitely ill-deserving, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for me, for you, for us. Here's the thing. I did nothing. To warrant that. I was so infinitely ill-deserving. God's unmerited favor towards the infinitely ill-deserved. And so when I understand grace, when I understand, man, I couldn't earn it. I couldn't do anything for it. It's nothing that I could do other than simply receiving what he, Jesus Christ, did for me. His sacrifice, his atonement, his propitiation for me. When I understand that I couldn't do it, and he gave it to me, and I simply just had to receive it. And it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing for us to receive things, isn't it, guys? Isn't it a whole lot easier to give than to receive? And if you're one that really loves to receive and you don't like to give, well, God's going to work on you. (laughs) God's just going to have to work on you a little bit. But I, 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 I have a hard time receiving. But I love to give. It's fun to give. Why? Because it, it's, it's something that, that you get the opportunity to, to bless someone. And you love to see the blessing on someone. You love to see them receive and be blessed and, and what have you. But, but here's the thing. Um, to receive something when I don't deserve it, when I don't earn it, when I don't, when I have nothing to do with it other than just simply to receive. It's hard. Have you ever been given a, a big gift? Have you ever been given a, a big gift? Maybe it's a car, you know. Maybe it's something big from somebody. Somebody gave you something big and, and, and you're like, I can't take this. I can't, I can't take this. I, I, how, can I pay you for it? And they're going, no, it's a gift. 
That just happened recently to me. My headphones got stolen. My $1,100 of headsets. And they got stolen out of a crew room that should be, oh man, it made me mad. And, and I, I'm like, I don't have $1,100 to replace these things. And so I have to use the crusty old headphones that they leave in the airplanes and who knows what germs are on all of that stuff. And you use them and you, every time you put them on, your stomach kind of turns a little bit and kind of turns. You go, oh, who was in here? You know, you had a microphone that comes down in front of your mouth. We got these sani wipes and you do, you, you wipe them as best you can, but you know that there's got to be a germ that gets by somewhere, you know. And about a month and a half goes by and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and all of a sudden I come home from a trip and there's a box and I had reported it to, to Bose who those are the headsets I had. The reason I have them and I spent a lot of money on them because my hearing is not really great. And so I, I, I need noise canceling headsets to where I can just hear just what they're saying. Just, I have to have that. And I didn't have it for a while and man, I was nervous. And I made a lot of mess ups and I would lean on my captain a lot, you know, to help. But here's the thing. I came home after a trip one time and I saw that there were some headsets on my counter and I'm like, wow, did they find them? I reported them stolen. I reported it to our chief pilots. I reported it to the police up there in Charlotte. And I, I reported to Bose in case anybody sent my headsets back in to get fixed to send them right directly to me. And I thought, hey, they got them. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, no, this is brand new. This is brand new. I'm going, what in the world? This is a brand new set of headsets. This isn't my set. Where did this come from? My father-in-law got them for me. Just out of the kindness of his heart. And I'm like, dad, dad, don't. No, dad. He goes, just take them. You need them. I'm going, no, no, dad. I thank you. Thank you. I don't. No, please send them back. Let me pay you for them. Let me, no, they're a gift. Man, that's a hard thing for me to do. He says, just, and it brought him such pleasure to give them to me. And I felt like an idiot taking them. It's hard to give or it's hard to receive. But here's the thing. When you and I accept Christ, that's exactly what it is. You can't pay for it. I can't pay for it. And when we realize that, when we understand the grace, then what follows? When I understand that I couldn't do it, I simply just had to receive it thankfully, humbly. God, I, I can't, can I pay you for it, God? Can I pay you for my salvation? No, you, there's nothing you can do. Lord, maybe, maybe I can give you everything that I have. It's not enough, Don. What if I, and perfect for the rest of my life from this day forward. Is that enough to pay for it? No, Don, you're still a sinner. No, you can't pay for it. You mean I just have to humble myself and recognize that I was in unable to actually inherit eternal life apart from you? Exactly. Then, Lord, I, I, I receive it. Remember Peter? In the upper room, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and then Jesus came to Peter after he'd been washing the other disciples' feet, and Peter's looking at those guys with disgust. 
And, and Peter said, Lord, you don't wash my feet. Don't wash any, don't wash my feet. Those guys, yeah, they need it, but Lord, not me. Don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter understood at that moment, at least he began to capture it, what grace is. And, and what he needed to do, he needed to receive. He said, and Pete, you know, the, the, the ever, you know, overdoing it guy. I can't think of the petulance. I don't think is the right word, but the, the one who, who, you know, exaggerates and says things that are outlandish so often. Pete goes, well, then Lord, if, if I don't have anything to do with you, unless you wash my feet, well, then wash my feet and my head too. Wash my whole body. And Jesus goes, no, I'm not going to wash your body. <laughs> I need to wash your body. I just need to get your feet, Pete. Just got to get your feet. Come on. Just your feet. And it, so he did. There was nothing that Peter could do in order to be a part of Christ. Christ says, I got to wash your feet. Okay, Lord. I can't stop you from doing that. I, 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 I receive it. I receive it. You did that for me. I receive it there. Once you understand that, then, then and only then will you really, truly begin to understand that you have peace with God. And what does that mean? That means to me that God is not around this corner over here with a paddle in his hand waiting to slam me with it. Too many of us, we walk around thinking that God is just waiting for us to mess up so that he can paddle our behinds with it, you know, with a big paddle. A big spirit paddle. And, and we think that God's trying to find all of our mistakes so that he can go, ha, look at you. That's not God. When you understand that you couldn't earn your salvation in the first place, you can't keep your salvation based upon your own works. It's all through Christ. It is. And when you and I come to the realization that, man, I can't add anything to this other than simply receive it freely. It's a gift. Then I, I, I'm just going to walk. And I can truly have peace because I know that God did this for me in spite of me. He saw my sin and he did it anyways. He loved me in spite of who I was. He still loved me and he offers this to me. And he sees when I blow it. And he says, come to me. Confess your sins. I'm faithful and just. Forgive your sins and cleanse you all from all unrighteousness. That's God. That's, that's, that's peace. That's where you and I can understand peace, can, can begin to understand peace at least. Grace and peace. They're the twins that Paul always uses in his letters. You can't understand the peace of God unless you first understand the grace of God. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you guys in our prayers, remembering without ceasing. He gives a quick little three-point uh, message here, if you will, a little three-point uh, subject matter of, of what it is that they thank the Lord for. We remember without ceasing your work in the faith, A, B, your labor of love, and C, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You're patiently waiting for Jesus to come back. We love your faith. 
We love how you serve one another in love. Man, we've seen your faith in action. We've seen your service in action. And we see that you are longing for the day when Jesus will return. Can that be said of you? Can that be said of me? Can that be said of us? Here's the thing. I hope so. In the sight of God and our Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. God chose you, Paul says. He chose you guys. For our gospel did not come to you, verse 5, in word only. I'm going to read quite a bit here so in, in the next few moments. But for our gospel did not come to you in word only. We didn't just tell you what it was, what you need to hear. We didn't just tell you the right things. We showed you in our life. We... We we followed up our words with actions. We followed up our words with actions. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were from among you for your sake. You saw our walk. You saw how we walked with you. You saw that our words and our actions, they matched. Kind of this guy that, he blew it. I'm not going to trash this guy down. I don't think that the guy lost his salvation there in the airport there and wherever it was I was. Uh, well, State College, University Park, uh, University Park, Pennsylvania. And, and he didn't lose his salvation. He blew it. It's a lesson for me. And hopefully it was a lesson for him. Hopefully it was a lesson for the flight attendant. We all can blow it. I don't, I don't want to trash him down. I know I kind of trashed him down. I'm glad I didn't use a name. Don't go and search the guy's name out online, you know. You wouldn't find him anyways. Here's the thing. He blew it. His words and his actions would be two different things. Do you think if there was a a video of him doing that to us there in that terminal, playing right after he gets done teaching, the people in that concert, doing his little probably five, eight-minute vignette, you know, little vignette that he has to, to share with them as one of the speakers there that day, do you think that they would have taken him seriously? Of course not. So let our, let our words and our actions match. Because you know what? Someone's watching you. Someone's always watching you. Someone is always watching you. And you and I, as Christians are to be representing Christ. We're to be the lights in this world. We're to show people. Not just on Sunday morning. We're to show Jesus, we're, we're to present Jesus to the world around us. They may not be in this church building, but you are the church that is there that God is trying to reach people through. And, and people are trying to, God's trying to reach people through me. God's trying to reach people through you. We all have a job to do. You saw us. You saw how we walked. You saw, you heard what our words were, but more importantly, you saw our walk. And you became followers of us. And of the Lord, he says there in verse six. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. You guys did it, man. You, you received the Lord. You accepted the Lord and, and you got chastised for it. You got mocked for it. You, you got hammered down for accepting Christ. And you came under a lot of pressure 
to not listen to what it is that we said. You came under a lot of pressure from friends and colleagues that came down on you because we preached Christ to you and they didn't want you to receive Christ. You, you, you withstood the battles and, and, and man, you became examples to others that were watching you and know that that's the same exact thing that's going to happen in your life and in my life. We are examples. That guy was an example. He didn't do it very well because that captain that I flew with said, that's why I don't like Christians. Don't be that Christian that she can point at and say, that's why I don't want to be a Christian. Doesn't mean we're not going to blow it. But when you blow it, rectify it, rectify it quick. Paul, he goes on, he says, for from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. You guys are going out, you're doing it. Not just in Macedonia, and and in Achaia, but also in every place, everywhere you guys are going. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. I don't even need to encourage you to go out and share the gospel. I don't even need to encourage you to go out and live for Jesus. You guys are doing it. You see what Paul's saying? Paul's going, you guys are doing it. Good job. Good job. You're out there and you're doing what it is that God has called you to do. We don't need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Here's the thing. These Hellenists, these these Greeks that were there in in, uh, Thessalonica and Achaia, here's the thing. They worshipped idols. This is all they knew their whole life growing up is worshipping idols. And here they were. They were bowing down to false gods. They were bowing down to false idols. And when the gospel was preached to them, they turned their back on the idols and they bowed their knee to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And Paul says, that blew my mind. That blew my mind. That you didn't get so caught, you weren't so ingrained in tradition that you wouldn't hear the truth. That right there is something that we all have got to be very, very careful of, that you don't become so ingrained in any kind of tradition apart from the Word of God that you will not open your heart and you will not see truth when it comes. Because you know what? None of us want to be the fool. When you talk to somebody that has for their whole life lived in a tradition, they've maybe lived in a cult, How do you think they feel when you go and present Christ? How do you think they feel? Are you saying that I've been duped my whole life? Are you saying that I've been duped? No, Mount, you've been duped. We have this, this immediate shield that goes up because we don't want to be the fool. That's not who these guys were. They were like, yeah, we see it. We see who Christ is. We understand. in order to follow Christ, we've got to turn from what it is that we're so used to doing and we're going to turn to Christ. We see the power. We understand. We see God through the midst of this. And they followed Christ. They turned from God. They turned to God from idols to serve the true and the living God and to wait for his son. What does that mean? They expected Jesus to come back. The... This is one of those texts here that that there are those that are in the church that say, yeah, Jesus isn't coming back. Don't look for Jesus. What we need to do is we need to be looking for something else. 
We need to just, he's not coming back. You know, it's just, there's not a rapture. There isn't anything like that. We're just going to, they don't believe in any kind of a rapture. They don't believe in a second coming of Christ. They don't believe in anything like that. All that they are expecting is, well, I'm going to die and and then things might happen then. And, And here Paul says, no, you, you, you are waiting for the son to return. You're waiting for his return. You were anticipating Jesus coming back. You were waiting for the, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, whom delivers us from the wrath to come. I'm out of time. I was actually told Kevin, I'm going to try to get through three chapters today. Listen, you got to have a goal, right? Here's the thing. The, the chapter two and chapter three are dealing with Paul's opening salutation to these guys. He's in there and he's encouraging them in the faith. He's applauding them for some of the things that they're doing. He's there to encourage them to stand strong in other areas. And they, they're a brand new church. They're brand new. They, he, he lays out his, his heart on how he came to them. Uh, I'll let Kevin kind of pick that up. I don't want to read much more in this. Uh, Kevin's going to teach next week, so he'll probably pick up right here in chapter two. But, and maybe you can get through two chapters, two and three. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's the same introduction that he's having. I mean, he spends three chapters just ministering to this church, applauding them, ministering to them, encouraging them. It's the same Jesus, man. It's the same Lord. It's the same one that's residing in your heart right now and in my heart, in our heart. Be encouraged. You did nothing to warrant salvation. You did nothing to be granted eternal life other than simply receiving it from Christ. That's it. You didn't do anything other than simply reaching out and taking it, accepting it. So that means there's nothing that you can do to keep it. You're secure. Don't live in fear. As a Christian, don't live in fear. There's no need for you to live in fear. Jesus, who is perfect love, casts out fear. No matter what in your life. No, don't live in fear. No need to live in fear. We are securely in the hand of Christ. We're securely in his directions. We're securely in his care. We're secure in his fold as his sheep. Simply because he opened a gate and said, whosoever will may come. And you came. Not because of anything other than you simply just said yes. I love it. I can't take any credit for my salvation. You can't take any credit for your salvation. And if that's the case, 
Let's quit beating ourselves up. Let's recognize that, man, I'm a mess up sometimes. I blow it. And I'm sure I've done what that guy did in the airport and probably even worse. And so have you. Confess it, move on, and get back up on that horse and start riding. Because, man, we have a job to do. We have got a skeptical society around us. We have a society around us that thinks they're smart. They've outsmarted God. That they've under, they, that, that's old school news. Well, know this. God is the same yesterday, today, and even forever. He doesn't change. Salvation doesn't come by any other way than by the same old way. And that's through Jesus Christ and him crucified. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. I don't care what Facebook says. I don't care what Instagram says. I don't care what Twitter says. I don't care what any of those thinking things say. Those are new. It's new wine. That's new, new stuff that's out there. I won't even call it wine. Winers. Trying to figure out a different way. Satan has tried to do that from the very first couple on the face of the earth. And he's succeeding in a lot of people today. Gang, we have been handpicked by God to represent him today. Now let's go and do and fulfill the ministry. I don't care if you're part of this church or you're somewhere else. doesn't matter. Do the work of the ministry. Do your job. Do your job. Do your job. Knowing that it's through him who's going to give you the strength. He's the one that's going to give you the words. Don't, don't walk fearfully upon the face of this earth. You already know what the end result is. You know the end game. You know. Even in death, that's not the end. Yesterday I celebrated my 13th anniversary of my mom's passing. Always gets me. Always gets me. I always just, there's a, a time in the day that I kind of just kind of sink into myself and kind of just miss her. I miss her. But I'm going to see her again. I'm going to see her again. You know why? Because Jesus saved her like he saved me. I'm going to see her again. And when it all comes down to it, guys, it's not about how much money you have. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter how many relationships you've been in or how many relationships you haven't been in. It doesn't matter how big your family is or how little your family is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's your relationship with Christ. At the end of the day, what's your relationship with Christ? Because at the end of the day, you and I are going to be standing before a holy God. We get beat down, man. In Facebook and in other forms of social media, when you see friends that say, don't tell me about Jesus. I don't believe in either one of them. 
I, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in Jesus. I can't remember. Somebody was shared something the other day about, you know, you want to believe in, oh, it, it was a politically motivated thing. Believe in Trump or believe in Jesus. You can't believe in both of them. And someone says, I believe in neither. And, and, and I, I just say, but one day my Bible says your knee will bow to him. You'll believe in him one day. Today you might not, but tomorrow you will. I just hope your tomorrow isn't too late. I don't say that to, to make anyone afraid. I just, that's the reality of it, gang. Jesus has spelled out in this book, and that's what he's saying. I'm commending you guys for your faith. I'm commending you guys for your labor of love. And I'm commending you guys because you are waiting for the return of Christ. And so that does something to you. That does something to you. That causes you to live your life on a day-by-day basis with the expectation that today might be the day. When was the last time you woke up thinking today was the day that Jesus was coming back? If it's been a long time, can I just encourage you? Recapture that today. Because you know what? Jesus can come back today. Do you believe it? Or have you gotten yourself to a place where you go, you know what? I'm tired of saying that. He might not come back. He's not gonna, probably not going to come back today. That's not our outlook. That's not our outlook as Christians, man. Let's anticipate that every single day that we live, he could be coming back. Because he could. No man knows the day or the hour, except God alone. Might be today. Could be today. Why not today? Let's live like it. Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, for this church in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, Thessalonia. Pray, God, that you would encourage us with the same words that you encourage them through Paul. That, Lord, we would live a life of faith, we would live a life of love, and we would live a life of expecting you to come back at any moment. Lord, we love you. Forgive us, Lord, where we have fallen short. Forgive us where we have added more weight upon our shoulders of things that we have to do in order to appease you. And, and when in all actuality, God, there's nothing we can add to our salvation. Help us to just walk freely in you. Help us to understand your grace. Help us to experience your peace. Help us to live in this world knowing that we might be the only church someone might see. It's not about a building. It's about the the temple of the Holy Spirit, of which that's what we are. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit residing in us. We take the church with us wherever we go. We are the walking tabernacle. The difference between the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament is that the tabernacle was movable. The temple was a fixed structure in one location. May we walk and tabernacle amongst the people. It's what you, your word says in John chapter 1 verse 12. 
or 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is tabernacled. You tabernacled among us. You didn't fix your roots in one location and say, that's where I'm going to be a Christian. That's where I'm going to follow God in this one location. This is where I'll meet God only in this one location. No, you tabernacled among us wherever you went. You were able to minister everywhere you went. You were able to touch everywhere you went. You were able to affect people's lives. God, may we understand that concept, knowing that we are tabernacling amongst the world around us. May the world see Jesus, you and your Holy Spirit, God, the father residing in us and emanating from us as we live in this world that is ever increasingly rejecting you. God, may we not bow under the pressure of rejection. May we not bow under the pressure to to be accepted. But may we be strong in our faith. May we be strong in our love, our labor of love towards others. And may we be strong in anticipating your return any moment to keep us sharp, to keep our cutting edge, to help us to go and affect the world around us and minister to this world around us. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.